For more presentations like this, visit www.xenos.org. We're spending a few weeks here studying the Psalms, which is ancient Hebrew poetry. It's part of our Bible, so there's 150 total Psalms. And uh, some of these are pretty old, like the one we're going to read tonight is 3,000 years old piece of literature. And it was written by a guy named King David, who was one of the greatest, he was the greatest king ever in the nation of Israel. You guys studied a psalm by him a couple weeks ago, Psalm 22. Well, before he was King David, he was Shepherd David. And instead of spending his days and nights in the throne room of the palace, he spent his days and nights out on the hillside with his sheep, guiding them, protecting them, caring for them. And many years later in his life, long after he had gotten out of the shepherding business, David begins to think about his own life. He begins to think about his own relationship with Yahweh, with God. And he begins to reflect on his time as a shepherd and realize a number of similarities between God's relationship with us and his relationship he had with his sheep as a shepherd out on the hillside. And so he picked up the quill and put the quill to the page and wrote what has become one of the most famous and well-loved poems, perhaps the most famous and well-loved poem in the history of literature, Psalm 23, and I hope you enjoy it. He begins in verse 1, and he says, Yahweh is my shepherd. I have all that I need. What a great verse. Let's let that sink in. Yahweh is my shepherd, David writes, and I have all that I need. Yeah, shepherding. This is a common metaphor for God in the Bible. There's a lot of different pictures painted of our relationship with God. Shepherding is one of them. Um, we see, we read the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and we see the earliest Jews were shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and the rest of his brothers. We see Moses, a shepherd. The first one to explicitly link in Scripture God with the shepherd metaphor is a guy named Jacob who had spent his whole life um, fighting God on the run from God and God is right there faithful to him and he says at the end of his life as he's nearing his deathbed he, he talks about the God who has been my shepherd all my life right to this very day the angel who has redeemed me from all harm and so it says God has been there for me he's been there with me protecting me redeeming me right up till this very day he's never left my side he's a good shepherd God we read in the Bible, expected the leaders of his people to learn from him what it was like to be a good shepherd. And he's pretty angry with them sometimes when they're not being very good shepherds. Like in Ezekiel 34, God says, what sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Yeah, you got this food. It's supposed to be for the sheep. You're eating it yourself. Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? But instead you drink the milk. You're milking the sheep. And instead of the baby sheep getting it, you're taking it. You wear the wool. You butcher the best animals, but you let your flock starve. My sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they're easy prey for any wild animal. God's not real happy with these shepherds. And so God is going to do something about it. He promises. He says, I am going to send personally a good shepherd who's going to show you how to do it right. He says, I will rescue my flock, and they will no longer be abused. It's not... He, God is personally going to do this. He says, I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, who will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And so 
he says, in this way, they will know that I, Yahweh, their God, am with them. And so God says, I'm going to send my shepherd, and that's how you know I'm going to be with you. And he's going to be the good shepherd, and he's going to be right there, and he's going to show you what real shepherding is like, what you should have been. And so it's no surprise that Jesus Christ claims to be that shepherd. He claims to be the fulfillment of this promised one who God said in Ezekiel 34 would come. In John 10, 11, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep, about as far as you could get from those bad shepherds in Ezekiel. And that's exactly what he came to do. He came and he laid down his life for the sheep. He lived a perfect life. He died in our place because he loves the sheep. He loves you and he wants you to be part of his flock. And how do you get to be part of his flock? It's not like you have to win like, you know, the county fair. You got to be the most beautiful sheep or whatever. No. You simply have to say, yes, I need a shepherd. I want you to be my shepherd. And he offers that as a free gift to anybody who's willing to receive it. That's the beautiful thing about the good shepherd. And he says, my sheep know my voice and no one can snatch them out of my hand, my sheep. Well, if shepherd's a common metaphor for God, that means we're the sheep in this equation. And that's not a real flattering metaphor, if you know anything about sheep. Things sheep aren't known for. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of things. Two notable ones, though, are their brilliant intellect. (laughs) Sheep are very stupid creatures. See this article in USA Today... 450 sheep jumped to their deaths in Turkey. First one sheep jumped to its death. I think we can see where this is going. (laughs) Then stunned Turkish shepherds who had left the herd to graze while they had breakfast watched as nearly 1,500 others followed, each leaping off the same cliff, Turkish media reported. In the end, 450 dead animals lay on top of one another in a billowy white pile, the Oxum newspaper said. You're probably wondering why only 450 dead when 1,500 jumped. Well, those who jumped later were saved as the pile got higher (laughs) and the fall more cushioned. (laughs) Yeah, bad shepherds. The good shepherd would not have let that happen. He knows sheep a little better than those guys did, thinking that they could just leave the sheep for a moment to go get breakfast. No. Also, sheep are not known for their tenacious (laughs) self-defense. They're basically the only animal that cannot go feral. Like, if it escapes from from the flock, it's done for. Like, pretty much all other animals, like your dog could escape and could sort of live on its own. Sheep cannot do that. You know, a, a wolf shows up, and then the sheep are like, hey, what's up? Hey, I think that's a wolf. You know, sheep, they don't have, you know, pointy fangs. They don't have like a spiked tail. They can swing around. Um, they can't even run away like a deer can. I mean, they are just, they're like, like lunch, okay? <laughs> Without a shepherd. And, you know, David had a lot of years to reflect on this relationship. From the shepherd's point of view, he sort of knew how sheep thought. And what he gives us here in Psalm 23 is he really gives us a sheep's eye view of the good shepherd. He's speaking as a sheep about his shepherd. And that's what we'll see here. And just in this first 
four words here. Yahweh is my shepherd. So deep. This is a relational reality that he is speaking of here. He says, he's my shepherd. Not he's our shepherd or their shepherd or his shepherd or her shepherd. He's my shepherd. This is a personal relationship that David has with Yahweh. And some people are like, well, ancient Hebrews, they didn't think in terms of individual and personal relationship and they always thought as group. No, we've got Psalm, Psalm 23 and passages like this. That it was also a personal relationship with God. He's my shepherd, David said, mine. And it's also not saying, you know, if only Yahweh was my shepherd or I hope Yahweh is my shepherd. I, I wish Yahweh was my shepherd. Please be my shepherd. Be my shepherd. There's none of that. He's just stating a simple, bare, wonderful truth that Yahweh is my shepherd. You're so important to him that he paid the highest price for you to join his flock. Yes, the shepherd loves the sheep, lays down his life for the sheep, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He laid down his life for you. And he says, will you be part of my flock? And so when David writes, Yahweh is my shepherd, you've got, to, you've got to ask yourself, can I say that? Can I say Yahweh is my shepherd here tonight? Can I say that with certainty? And if not, the solution is to receive his purchase to be part of his flock. And I think as Christians too, we need, to, we need to cultivate this perspective. We need to keep reminding ourselves of this, of this relationship that we have with the God of the universe. Yes, he's the creator God. And David talks about that too. But here he's talking about Yahweh as my shepherd. And we need to live like we have this relationship with the God of the universe. We need to draw close to him and count on him like a sheep counts on the shepherd. And then he says, Yahweh is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Yeah, when Yahweh is your shepherd, what else do you need? It doesn't mean we never lack riches or comfort. There will be hard times, and David had plenty of that in his life. But what it means is you'll never lack the expert care of the shepherd, even in adversity, even in trouble, even in difficult times. You know that the shepherd will be right there leading you right beside you. You can have peace and contentment in the midst of the storm. You, you, you can learn to, to be happy right where you're at. And not always thinking, well, once I have the next thing, once I get this next thing, once I get through this phase. No, I have all that I need, David says, because Yahweh is my shepherd, period. And then verses two and three talks about he and me, he and me. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. This is the he, me section of this psalm. He lets me rest in green meadows. You know, sheep can't drink out of a raging river. You know, you're not, you're not going to lead sheep across this like torrential stream or even lead them. They, they, they're scared. They couldn't handle it. They could get swept away. They can't even lie down to rest unless they're fed and watered and safe. They don't lie down to eat. They lie down to ruminate. They lie down and they sort of digest the thing that they ate. They, they need safety. They're very skittish creatures. And I think maybe we're sort of that way too. We, we can't let down unless we know our needs are met. We can't, we can't let down our guard. And that's something we can do when Yahweh is our shepherd. 
Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what he's offering here as the good shepherd. And only he can do that for us. Of course, even though the shepherd is providing a, a great water supply, some sheep are determined to find their own water supply instead of trusting the shepherd. There's this book by W. Philip Keller, not Tim Keller, Philip Keller, who called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. This guy grew up, this, this guy's a 20th century author. He actually grew up in Africa with the shepherds of uh, some more primitive, more tribal type people. So he was seeing shepherding probably as it would have been practiced maybe as far back as in David's day. The shepherd with the sheep out on the hillside. And then um, at a certain point he moves to America and then he gets a job on like a larger sheep ranch in America. So he had seen shepherding in different parts of the world, a lot of different perspectives on it. And then he writes up this book that gives a lot of insight into the historical background, the practices David is referring to that he, he and his audience would have been familiar with. But he tells this one story about sheep that did not want to drink from the good water. He says, they remind me of a bunch of sheep I watched one day, which were being led down to a magnificent mountain stream. The snow-fed waters were flowing pure and clear and crystal clean between lovely banks of trees. Can you imagine the scene? Yeah, they actually, they'd have to go down to the valleys to get the water a lot of times. That's where the good water was, or on the way down. But on the way down, several stubborn ewes and their lambs stopped instead to drink from small, dirty, muddy pools beside the trail. The water was filthy and polluted, not only with the churned up mud from the passing sheep, but with manure and urine of previous flocks that had passed that way. Still, these stubborn sheep were quite sure it was the best drink obtainable. The water itself was filthy and unfit for them, much more obviously contaminated with nematodes and liver fluke eggs. You guys know all about those, right? That would eventually riddle them with internal parasites and disease of destructive impact. Yeah, sometimes the water that we pick for ourselves, it maybe at first we're like, see, this is fine. <laughs> we don't realize there's a delayed effect here. There might be things in there that we can't see that the, that the good shepherd knows is there. And he wants us to come and drink from the living water. God critiques his people. He said, my people have committed two sins. They've they rejected me, the, the, the spring of living water, and they've hewn out for themselves broken cisterns that can't hold water. So we've got all the things we turn to instead of what God is providing for us, all these different paths. And God says, no, come to me and drink. And if you drink the water I give you out of you, you'll become like a fountain of water. He also says he renews my strength or restores my soul or restores my life. And so sometimes these sheep need restored. Sometimes their lives, they need rescued. They need rescued from the great sheep danger that is known as falling over. <laughs> this just shows you how helpless sheep are. Okay, so here's a picture of a, this is called a cast. The, the sheep is cast or cast down. You know, sometimes in the Psalm, David will say, why are you cast down, O my soul? There may be shepherd, Im shepherd imagery behind that. So here's what happens according to Philip Keller. He says, the way it happens is this. A heavy, fat, or long-fleeced sheep will lie down comfortably in some little hollow or depression on the ground. So they just kind of lie down, they're happy. And then it rolls on its side slightly to stretch out or relax. 
and then disaster strikes. <laughs> Suddenly, the center of gravity in the body shifts, so it turns on its back far enough so the feet no longer touch the ground. It may feel a sense of panic and start to paw frantically. It's like a turtle on its back. Frequently, this only makes things worse. It it rolls over even further. Now it is quite impossible for the sheep to regain its feet. As it lies there struggling, gases begin to build up in the room. And so now they're belly up. The gases are starting to build up. As these gases expand, they tend to retard and cut off blood flow to the extremities of the body, especially the legs. If the weather is very hot and sunny, a cast sheep can die in a few hours. If it's cool and cloudy and rainy, it may survive in this position for several days. You're probably wondering, what should I do if I'm walking through the highlands of Britain and I find a cast sheep? Well, I have a short video that's going to explain that for us. Are you ready? If you see a sheep in this position, it's very easy to save its life. Simply walk quietly and steadily up to it and roll it over. (laughs) Once it's the right way up again, the sheep will probably run back to the flock. But as you can see, this sheep's still quite wobbly. She was probably on her back for some time and is finding it hard to balance again. If this is the case, it's worth pausing to make sure it doesn't fall over again. When I helped her up, this ewe panicked so much, she nearly toppled over again in her haste to get away from me. This is because she was already in shock. She knew she was in terrible danger of dying on her back. (laughs) There's actually a lot of YouTube videos of this sort of thing. It's very real danger for sheep. So, do you ever wonder how God feels when he finds you cast down yet again? You're lying there, you're like, <laughs> You're like, here I go again. I've fallen again. I've gotten fired again. Overslept again. Failing my classes again. Losing my temper again porno again. I've fallen into sin of all kinds. I mean, everybody's got their own varieties, but it can be pretty discouraging. And I I think we're tempted to feel like God is super angry with us, that we're in for a beating from God. You need to reflect on the good shepherd. You need to think about that. Is that how the shepherd feels when he finds a sheep that's in this state? No. He loves the sheep. And why is the shepherd always counting his sheep? Because he's afraid if one of them is behind a tree somewhere, it might be in this state. He's got to go save that sheep. He's so happy he got there in time. He's so happy that the sheep let him help. And the sheep, we, he, God knows we need his help. We know he is the one that sets us on our feet again. And that's why David says, he restores my soul. Just like that shepherd helps that sheep get right side up again. And it's, it's kind of wobbly when he first puts them on their feet. It may fall right back over, but he's there right there, keeping an eye, ready to set us back up again. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Yeah, there's a lot of wrong paths. You ever go hiking? (laughs) 
You run up on the wrong path, a trail that's too hard for you. Yep, I've been there. You're like, why did I do this trail? This is not the trail I was intending to do. Do you ever go in the wrong direction? You have to turn around, you have to retrace your steps. Um, you know, there, there's so many ways, there's so many wrong paths out there for us to, to fall into. But if we had the good shepherd, we don't need to worry about that because those shepherds know those trails like the back of their hand. They've traveled those trails trail so many times that they will guide us. They will guide us in the right direction. And there's a lot of paths that you can take as well. And we need, we need God to lead us in the right paths. The old paths are the, are the good paths, typically. If you've ever done hiking, a lot of these are shepherd's trails that you're hiking on. And um, it's good to have a good shepherd along when you're heading into uncharted territory. We went um, a couple years ago, I guess it was last summer, we went whitewater rafting. And, you know, it was not like a really intense rapids course or anything, but it was sort of, I mean, there's some kind of intense parts. But you know what? I wasn't worried at all because we, we had a guide with us. And this guy knew what he was doing. You know, this, he's talking about how next week he's headed to the world, you know, kayaking championships. And he's done this section of the river a couple of hundred times. And he's led three groups on this already today. And I'm just like, I'm not worried. He's sitting back there. He's totally calm. You know, we come to the rapids and he's like, left, three. And we're like, boosh, boosh, boosh. And we just zip right down through. Each time he sees how we're coming in, he knows the way to go. I wasn't worried at all. We could just relax and enjoy the ride, even though there were legitimate dangers all around us. Because we had a good shepherd with us. That's what Yahweh's like. He's, he's, he's done that river hundreds of times. He wants to lead you through it. And then, David says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... Yeah, shepherding is not just all up on the mountaintops. It's not just mountaintop experiences. There are valleys. The valleys could be kind of scary. This is where predators were. This is where um, uh, robbers could be in the valleys, the dark places. But he says, I won't be afraid because you are close beside me. Your club and your staff protect and comfort me. Yeah, there's a lot here. First of all, notice he says, even when I walk through that valley. Yeah, it's not the question is, will there be valleys? There will be valleys. That's inevitable. You're going to go through the valleys. The question is, are you going to go through them alone or not? Or will you go through them with the good shepherd? You know, how do you get from one mountaintop to the other? Is there some like helicopter taking us from this high ground to that high ground? That's not the way shepherding works. And that's not the way God works either. God will lead us to the mountaintops, but then he will lead us down through the valley again. And some of those valleys can take a long time. Also, we've got to pass through many valleys if we hope to help other people. Some of us pray, God, use me in other people's lives, but then we complain when we hit the valleys. Well, how are you going to help other people if you haven't been through that valley yourself? People are not living on the mountaintops. They're living down in the valleys. And if, you're, if, you've, if you've just been helicoptered around like some spoiled rich kid and you haven't been through those valleys yourselves, how are you going to know what it feels like? How are you going to lead them through it? I found it interesting that some of the valleys that I've been through, God keeps putting people in my life, situations in my life where I can help them. I can tell them what it was like when I was going through that valley. And um, there's a, a wisdom and a brokenness that comes with that. Yes, we will walk through valleys. He says, even when I walk, you know, so this is not some frantic, terrified sprint through the valley. 
because we know the good shepherd is right beside us. We don't have to run terrified through the valley. We can walk, keeping our eyes on him, keeping our mind on him, knowing that he is with us, knowing we don't have to be scared, not because there's nothing to be scared of in the valley, but because the baddest dude in the valley is on our team. There's nothing scarier than him down in the valley. He says, even when I walk through the valley, sometimes we're in a valley and we're, we're tempted to think this is never going to end. But David says, the valley will end. I've come out on the every side. There's no, there's no eternal valley. Every valley comes to an end. And soon we will find ourselves on that higher ground and we'll be looking back at the path we just traveled and we will be glad that we traveled that path. Ultimately, death is the final valley. But scripture says, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Christ has conquered the grave. He has passed through onto the other side and he promises to lead us if we are one of his sheep. The grave is a dead end for all but the Christian. The grave is the passageway into eternal life. It's the beginning of the greatest part of our lives. And he says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, it's the shadow of death. It's, it, you know, a shadow. You ever been hurt by a shadow of anything? Shadow of a ferocious dog, shadow of a bee, shadow of a sword? No. Shadows can't hurt us. That's because Yahweh is our shepherd. Yes, the shadows will fall on us. We'll be right up close to the scary thing, but we don't have to worry about it. Because he says, you are close beside me. And what he doesn't say is, I will not be afraid because he is close beside me. Which was our pattern in verses 2 and 3. He and me. All of a sudden, when we descend down into the valley, it's no longer he and me, it's you and me. And our relationship with God takes on a closeness in the valleys that we... We just can't get on the mountaintops. You know, and on a mountaintop, I'm like, yeah, you know, I should really pray more. God's been convicting me. <laughs> but down in the valley, you're like, Lord, help. Lord, I'm scared. You're like, well, I can't sleep anyway. I might as well pray. <laughs> There's a burden that needs to be unloaded when we're in the valley. We need to, Peter says we cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. Yes, we're carrying around this weight that we, don't, we shouldn't be carrying, and it's through prayer that we hand that over to, to the good shepherd. And we let him carry it, the all-powerful, infinite one. And he says, I won't be afraid, for you are close beside me. And some of us were in this valley, and some of us are in valleys. And maybe this is the deepest valley we've ever been in. Maybe it's so deep that you didn't even know valleys could go this deep. You think finally we're bottoming out and you turn a corner and then you just look and I can't even see the bottom again. Or maybe it's not necessarily that deep, but this valley is so long and I've been walking forever and even when I try to run, I can't see the, end, the light at the end of the valley. I go right and left, I can't get out of here and it just feels like this is never going to end. And what you need to see is that if you are a Christian, you're walking through this valley and you feel so alone, you need to look up and see the good shepherd 
is right there beside you. And he's been there the whole time. He's just standing there like, hey. <laughs> it's about time you looked up. It's about time you, you prayed the truth of Psalm 23.4. I will not be afraid because you are close beside me. This psalm, this psalm pl- prays very well. Just change the he, me to you and me. <laughs> but this verse, you can just pray as is. I will not be afraid because you are close beside me. Your club and your staff protect and comfort me. Yeah, just a random guy, seeing a random guy in the valley with a club is not comforting. (laughs) But then you realize who it is and you're like, it's Yahweh, my shepherd. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) I don't care who else I run into down here. Yeah, the club, man, these shepherds are pretty good with their clubs. Um, Philip Keller tells one story where he was with uh, like a Bedouin shepherd boy and they're they're, they're, him and this boy are pushing this boulder out of place and they push the boulder up and all of a sudden a cobra slithers out. And without skipping the beat, the boy just goes, boosh! <laughs> and keeps on rolling the boulder. <laughs> they have like club throwing competitions and stuff. They're pretty good with these things. Um, I mean, David talks about defe- defeating lions and bears when they came after his sheep. Um, the staff, this was, and you know, sometimes the sheep need a little whack. Um, the staff is for directing. Um, there's a little crook in the end of the staff. Sometimes he, he said, I would just see the shepherd walk with the staff just right on the side of the sheep, just walking along together. Uh, they could use that to kind of fish a uh, sheep out of the water that got a little too close and fell in. Um, sometimes if the baby got separated from the mom, he, he would pick it up, not with his hand to get his scent on there, but with the, with the staff, and he would carry it over and drop it back off. It's, very, it's a very tough and tender image, this shepherd imagery. I really like it. I like that that is one of the pictures God uses of himself. And he says, your club and your staff protect and comfort me. And then I think the image changes. Some people try to keep the same image here. I think the shepherd metaphor ends and all of a sudden we're not outside, but we're inside. We're at a banquet. And it's like a great king is preparing a banquet. And he says, you prepare a feast for me. And so here we are. In Psalm, 5, Psalm 23, 5, we wake up and this is, this is the image. A feast is being prepared for me. And it's done in the presence of my enemies. You know, you wouldn't normally eat in the presence of your enemies. You you would not eat a meal with your enemies. That was a mark of friendship, of relationship. God says, I want want to have a meal with you. And that's sort of a mark of his relationship with us, that we're friends with each other now. We're at peace. And he says, it's in the presence of my enemies. The enemies are there. And normally, if you're really afraid of your enemies, you would not you would not just sit down and eat. That's like your defenses are down. But like, like a soldier's not going to eat a meal right there on the, right in front, on the battlefield. He's going to go back to the, behind the lines to eat where he's safe. But we're safe not because there's no enemies there, but because the good shepherd's there. Because the host is there. And he's the one preparing a feast. And it, it's a feast for me. It's a feast in my... What did I deserve to get a feast prepared for me? What did I do? I don't deserve this. You think you're just going to be one of the people there, but all of a sudden he's anointing my head with oil. A great mark of honor. 
He says, my cup overflows with blessings. That's what life is like with God. An overflowing cup. God says, I don't care how big the cup is. You didn't bring a big enough one. I've got more blessings than you can handle. It's like you're sitting there and your cup's on the table and he brings out the finest bottle of wine. He just starts pouring and pouring and it is overflowing. And you're embarrassed because you're like, I can't believe what he's pouring out on me. And he just keeps going at this feast for you. And finally, he says, surely, surely, he's certain of this. And we should be too. Your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. So two things, God's unfailing love, his loyal love. This is the Old Testament word hesed, which is the New Testament kind of equivalent of grace. And he says, your goodness, that's just goodness of all sorts is what that word is used for. And these things are pursuing me. It's like they're hunting me down. They're chasing me. I can't get away from them, even though I really have tried. You know, like in the movie where like the good guy comes out and he realizes he's being followed and he like hits the gas and he's speeding down the road and he's squealing his tires and he's heading down an alley and the guy's following and he just can't shake him off his tail. That's the image here. But it's not a bad guy that's pursuing us. It's goodness and unfailing love. Hot on our heels, even though we try to ruin it for ourselves. And that's not, it's not temporary. It's all the days of my life. Every one of them, David says. And just when it can't get any better, just when you think that this might end after all the days of my life, he has this final line, and I will live in the house of Yahweh forever. The house of the king with the banquet. That's where I live forever. Because when Yahweh is your shepherd, that's a relationship that will never end. That is a relationship that is eternally secure And when we walk through, finally, that valley of the shadow of death, we'll come out on the other side, and that's when this part begins, living in the house of Yahweh forever. So what have we seen here in Psalm 23? When Yahweh is your shepherd, you have all that you need. When Yahweh is your shepherd, you have all that you need. And whether you're in the green meadows or the dark dark valley, life with him is sweet. And if you're in one, the other will be coming, no matter where you are. Because that's the shepherd life, on the move. Life with him is sweet. And so the question you've got to ask yourself is, will you follow the good shepherd? Can you say, Yahweh is my shepherd? Will you start that relationship with him tonight? Yeah, Lord, what a, uh, what a cool perspective to think about you as our shepherd. Um, thanks that you see us for who we are, Lord, and you love us, and you're there for us, and you're okay that we need to depend on you, and that's, that's the way we were designed. Thanks that you're dependable, um, and that we can trust that if, if you're leading us, that it's good, goodness and loving kindness, Lord, and uh, also that no matter what we're going through, we can be certain that you are close beside us, Lord. Pray for anybody who um, can't say with certainty they're part of your flock. I pray that they would come to you tonight, 
I pray they would have dealings with you, Lord. I pray for those of us, too, who are um, doubting some of the truth of this, who um, have been kind of stuck for a while. I pray, Lord, that those people would get the insight, the, the dealings with you that they need, Lord, that you would change them through your word, and that we could all say wholeheartedly with this psalm that you are a shepherd, and that's, we have all that we need. Amen. This study was recorded at Zenos Christian Fellowship and is copyrighted. You may freely copy and distribute it as long as you keep it intact and do not sell it.